Welcome to the Braveheart Ministries podcast. In this episode, join Peter Lewis as he shares on the mystery of the gospel to the resident students at Upper Room Dallas. For more information on Braveheart Ministries or Peter's latest book, Back to the Gospel, visit BraveheartMinistries.org. So he made known to us the mystery of his will, which was according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. Again, this is what he set forth. He set forth all of this in Christ. When he says he set forth in Christ, that's what he means. He set forth all of this in Christ, okay? It was the, it was the fullness of time. It was the right time. Now here's the mystery of his will. To unite all things in him. Colossians 1 We'll start in verse 24, says it this way. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. If you want to know my mindset and how I think, I feel like ministers, the the leadership of God, this is what we're stewarding. We're stewarding this to make something known to the people of God. The same way God wanted to make something known through this, men and women of God, our our goal is to make this known. Why? Because it's the gospel. It's the power of God to save you from everything that you were never meant for so you can be one with him. You have to be saved from your sins, from sickness, from disease, from every effect of the fall of man in order to truly be intimate with him. It's not saying you can't be intimate with him and still have issues and struggles. I'm saying it's our, it, it, it needs to be our expectation and understanding that God's desire is to thoroughly save us so we can be one with him. You see this in Egypt. God, God pulled the people out of slavery so he could go and make covenant with them in the promised land. You with me? Did Egypt come with them? Did that honor God to have Egypt's slave masters taskmastering them while they were in the promised land? Does that honor God? No, he wanted his people free to have a relationship. Have you ever tried to be close to someone who's on an IV drip and, and suffering? You ever taken them on a date? You can't. <laughs> you can't because they're stuck in bed with IVs. You can't go be intimate with them. You can. You can love them. You can care for them. But you can't enjoy intimacy as if they, if they were completely free and healthy. Are you with me? So God's purpose behind saving us was so that we could actually have fellowship with him. It's the gigantic why behind him saving us. And if, and if you believe that he wants to be one with you, then your confidence for salvation grows exponentially. Are you with me? Like if you have depression or anxiety or fear or some sin struggle, for me it was pornography. That, was, that thing dominated my life for years. And God delivered me from that. But I didn't know. It took me time to realize that God actually wanted to set me free from that. I believed in my head because a spiritual leader of mine told me that that's, lust is something that men will always struggle with. I heard that from a spiritual leader when I was in seventh grade. Lust is just something guys will always struggle with. He was a married guy. I looked up to him, and I thought, man, 
what do you think, what, what lie do you think I heard every time I was tempted to look at pornography or whatever? What lie do you think I heard? Always going to struggle. No promise of freedom. And I want to tell you, if you've actually never believed that you can be free from sin completely, you've been lied to. Yes. You go find it. You go find it for us and share it. Share that treasure. Okay. So, so guys, look. This is so important. Colossians one. So he's saying, I, I, I was a steward. Now look, he, he, he uses the same language. Look at verse 25. He became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. You with me? We're making the word of God fully known today. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. What's the mystery? Now he says it another way, and I guarantee you this is on a pillow or coffee cup somewhere, and you didn't, you didn't even know why, because it just feels good. Our spirit man lays hold of this stuff, and we don't even have understanding. When you have understanding, it allows you to walk out the gospel. When you don't have understanding, you're just walking blind, and you're just throwing Hail Marys, hoping stuff sticks. You're not living with purpose. Look. To make known the, the mystery hidden for ages, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the, rich, the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. He's, he's looking for language to tell you how big this is. You ever get that with Paul? You're like, you're reading it, you're like, he's just being poetic. No, he's got something inside of him. He's got this, and he's trying to put language upon something that you can't put language to. Some of you are still hearing me here, and it's okay. You're still hearing me here, but this is a really big deal. The fact that the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the fact that he looked at you and said, I want you, I want to be in you, I want to be one with you. Not robotic, not systematic, not because he has to, but because there's real intimate desire and delight in you. And there's real purpose for you on this earth. You're not an accident. Like you're, a, you're an individual. You, you are uniquely. You're not me. Please don't be me. Understanding this reality. Oh, for the love. Hear me. This is important. Understanding this won't make you look like me. It won't. You getting the gospel doesn't look like me. It looks like you being fully alive in your created, beautiful wonder that you are that's so unique and so precious to the sight of God. And it may be that the quiet confidence of like Veronica. She just carries this like, right? She walks in a room and there's just this, hmm. She's just, hmm, right? You guys feel peace when Veronica walks in the room? She just carries this authority of like, man, if, if, if you were in a dog fight, you would want her in it with you, right? Because why? Because she's going to just like, hmm, you know? Like she's just going to be, like she's just going to carry that authority. Why? That's the way that the gospel comes out of her as a woman of God. It's different. Mufa the same, just the ferocity. Like 
All of you carry it in your unique way. And when you get connected to the Godhead and you begin to hear from Him, from His face, from His heart, what makes you special, what makes you unique, and how you're to stand on the earth in His righteousness and His grace, I'm telling you, you'll be free and you'll walk into a room and you'll be confident in your own skin and you'll stop judging yourself. You'll stop introspecting. You won't live in anxiety and fear anymore because the one who actually is the, is the ultimate judge has looked at you through and through in your worst, ugliest state, and he said, I approve of you, and I love of you fully, and I've given myself to you in your worst state so you'd never be deceived about my love for you. You realize that? He gave his love for you in your ugliest, most ashamed state. And with this gospel, I keep pointing here because that's where I had it before, but with the heaven and forgiveness of sins, what happens, we don't mind telling someone who's never known God, a prostitute, drug addict, this and that. We, we all have faith that they can get born again in a moment and receive the love of God. The problem is, if this was the moment we got saved and maybe we came out of all of that and now we're over here and we're, we're 10 years in, here on this timeline, we, we have stopped preaching the gospel. And so, and so when you get here, you hear lies like you should know better by now. God, God's patience has run out. He doesn't love you the same that he did here because you should know better. You've been going to church. You've been doing all these things. And so here, most Christians I meet, many, are filled with guilt, shame, and condemnation because they're not measuring up according to their measurement. They're plagued by it. And what it does is it just, it, it's a cancer to your soul. And you don't get emotionally healthy, so you start medicating on things like lust or alcohol or anxiety or depression. And, and I mean that. Anxiety and depression are medications for an unhealthy soul, for an unloved soul. It's a way you, you can actually become codependent. You rely on depression or anxiety, and you can receive affection from people through that. And it's an unhealthy affection because you're actually being, and I'm not saying you don't love people like, trust me, I, I get it. I've struggled with, with many emotional stuff, but the reality is we can, we can get dependent on that. Are you with me? That's, that's my only point, okay? So Paul says it in 27, just to go back to this. So God chose to make known. Do you see that same language, make known? The, make known the mystery, you see it? Verse 27, look at it. Verse 27, to, to them God chose to make known. It's that same language in Ephesians 1. First chapter, he leads out every time in these letters with these, these things. God wanted to make known to you something. How great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What's the mystery in, according to Colossians 1? Say it loud like you... Like Christ in you. Christ... <laughs> In you, glory to God. What did we say the glory was? This is the Ephesians version. This is the Colossians version. Pretty clear, no? The mystery of all this, this is more mysterious than it is conclusive. 
Does, does that make sense when I say that? We've made this conclusive. We've concluded this is it. But this was actually the mystery. There was a, the mystery was hidden in that. And we have just clearly outlined this and studied this to its, its teeth. And we've never looked at the, well, what did he want to make known to us in that? So it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So when you get this, when this begins to settle into your heart, you, you will have a natural outflow, John 7, those rivers of water, you'll actually want to make this known to other people in, in your own unique way. Like you, we, we all have a ministry of reconciliation, all of us. Okay? Yeah. What's the power? Yeah. It's cr- do we access that because of our unity with Christ and not a lot of times we're like you said, we're stuck on, well, I'm redeemed and forgiven. Okay, stop there. Yeah. Everything so much more. every gift of the spirit, every promise of the gospel is found right here. Everything. You, you cannot fast your way into power. You cannot contend your way into it. You can't contend your way into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't. It, like, if you get this, it will so free your walk with God, you have no idea. My wife had a dream years ago. Do you guys know Heidi Baker? Have you all heard of her? Heidi Baker, she's got a, a missions organization in Mozambique and really all over the world. They've planted thousands of churches. Wonderful woman of God. Heidi comes to my wife in a dream. This was some years ago. And Heidi said, you know, 50% of our, our people are doing really well, and 50% are really struggling. And my wife says, huh. She goes, why? What, what's going on? And Heidi said, the 50% that are struggling are relying on their passion towards God. The 50% that are doing really well are relying on God's passion for them. You realize when you wake up every morning, here, this is so important, and we're going to go over this a lot. Every morning when you wake up, the same passion and intensity that drove Jesus to the cross, is that coming, is that hitting your heart now, like that he actually then was very, like, resolute and purposeful in going to the cross? It wasn't just a robotic thing. That same passion and intensity to buy you out of your sins back into fellowship, he is now alive with that passion towards you every moment of every day. Do you realize that's what's wrong with me? It really is. I, I will get stuck in myself because here, here's, here's, here's how this plays out. Someone say, give me a practical. Here's how this plays out. God, I don't feel lovable. Anyone relate? Six of us. Okay. The rest of you got this. 
I, don't, I, I often don't feel lovable by God, to God. I don't feel desirable towards him. I'm like looking, I'll look at myself and go, man, I don't, I don't feel like there's anything you should love. I feel apathetic. I feel, huh. Anyone? And then, I, and then, and, and then God happens. And he says, hey, he says, hey, you remember when, when you were in the stuff you were most ashamed of? You were in that state. You were in rebellion. And I, I like, I, I told you how in love with you I am because I saw something in you that I loved and I saw a man of God in there. I saw someone who would, who would be a minister of the gospel. I saw someone who'd love his wife and his kids well. You remember that? Remember when I told you how much I loved you and believed in you when you were in your worst state? And, 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 I, and I then allow God to then cherish me and nourish me in those moments. And I go, wow, God, your posture towards me doesn't do this. He doesn't go up and down based on your behavior. We don't know a human relationship like the one that we have with him. We don't know. We, we, have, to, we have to acknowledge that. We, we don't know that. And that's why the only thing you have in this life of value is your connection with Jesus. Listen, I, I get to, I love doing this. I love getting to teach, and it really is. I, I love it. I, I, I take great pleasure in it. I consider it a mighty privilege. I love being a dad, a husband. I love getting to travel and go see different things. I love seeing the sick healed. Terry's sister, who was completely just, I don't know, y'all heard the story about Terry's sister who was in ICU with sepsis and liver failure. I mean, just on oxygen, and she's now revived. Like, they were like, going to take her off the tube and we prayed for her and seeing her praise God hallelujah I love seeing the sick healed but nothing truly nothing will ever satisfy your soul like just going into the place where it's just you and him and you let him cherish you and you let him nourish you and you let him speak kindly to you and tell you how much you mean to his heart and, and, and you begin to, to disclose all of your emotions before him. This isn't about trying to just hide things before God. It's saying, God, I'm struggling with this. And I need your help. I need your perspective. But, but I'm bringing it before you as my dad, knowing that you care for me. You care more about this than I do. It's the only thing we have. And my life's goal, my life's aim is to connect as many people as I can to this Jesus. It's my life's aim. And I've learned this. I've learned that just because you're in church and you go to church doesn't mean you're connected to him. It doesn't. Because I've seen people in ministry. I've seen in my own heart being in ministry. You can fall from this so quickly and you can end up doing the things like in Matthew 7, healing the sick. Lord, did we not cast out demons and heal the sick and do all these things in your name? And he says, you did all of that, but you didn't know me. It seems harsh, right? You're like, why would he kick these guys out? Why would he say that? Anyone troubled Matthew 7 that troubles you? Why would he? Why? How does that even, and how can that even happen? I'll tell you how it's happened. I've prayed for the sick, word of knowledge, healed a guy, and my heart was so far from the Lord. Wasn't spending time with him. Scared me to death. Scared me to death. 
I mean, I walked up this guy on the street. I said, hey, you got problem in your back right here. He goes, yeah, how'd you know? I've been addicted to pain medication. Just got out of prison. Prayed for him. Gets completely healed. Wow. He's in tears. They filmed it. It's on film. They're showing it in church. And the Lord's like, look at your heart. Completely disconnected from him. Not spending time with him. Just doing it out of principle. And here's the, here's the thing I love about my dad. He loved that guy so much. His, that miracle wasn't compromised for him. He's like, I love him so much. I'll, I'll even use this cold vessel called my son because I'll rebuke him later. And, <laughs> and he'll listen. And I did listen. I did listen. But I'm telling you, everything you're looking for is received freely through the gospel. Romans 5.17, it says this, that if, for if by the one man, the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, death reigned through Adam, he said, how much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, that's included in here, how much more will those people who receive that reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? It's about reigning in life. And most people will tell you in the world, if you're not careful in the church, they will tell you in order to reign in life, you have to do. Oh man, you've got to work hard for that. We see people reigning in life. We're like, man, how, they must have worked really hard for that. But in the kingdom, God says, no, you just receive two things as a gift, grace and righteousness. And we're going to talk a lot about grace and righteousness. And we're going to hopefully dispel a lot of myths and a lot of confusion about grace and about righteousness. We're not going to do that today because that's going to be overwhelming. <laughs> Are there any questions or thoughts or wrestlings? Um, just feedback. Where are you guys at with this? Okay, for my notes, where in Colossians? Colossians 1, 24 through 28-ish, 29. Jonathan. My like religion is going crazy because I'm trying to place like what is sanctification or what is the purpose of this? Yep. We need to earmark that one. We're gonna get there. Absolutely. We're gonna unpack that in in depth. That's a it's a super important question. Did y'all hear his question? What's the what's the role of sanctification discipline? There's a huge role for it, and we're gonna unpack that. So this is kind of like, again, there's a reason Paul wrote these in the beginnings of his letters because they were foundational. They were the, these were the big concepts. Right now we're at 30,000 feet, right? So the, the question then is, if this is true, then how do I? But, but I don't want to rush to that because, because if we don't get if this is true, then we'll, we'll, we'll approach the how do I as we've always approached it. With me? That's a great question. Anyone else? I feel like mine is probably for later too, but I'll just throw Yeah, throw it.
just quickly, I would say if you, it, the way I've read it is that because he calls them unbelieving, and I believe it was the unbelief that comes out by prayer and fasting, not the demon, because he already given them the chapter before. We have chapters now, referring to life in chapters. But the chapter before, he says, I'm giving them authority over all unclean spirits. So they had the authority, but it was mixed with unbelief. So it compromised their ability to exercise that authority. That's how I've read it. And I, you know, I don't have a tremendous revelation on fasting and how it works and what happens. But I, I would just say, standing here with integrity, I do believe fasting works in some way in purging us from... Or, or allowing God to express his perfect will through us. I'll say it that way. Fasting is a way that we can empty ourselves and allow God more fully and, and more accurately to express his will through the human vessel. And I, I, so I, I would say that. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was all about faith and not so much as the church has put it about the casting out demons. Yes. And we'll, we'll talk about faith as well. I think there's a lot of like, faith is an important subject in what it is and what it's not. Like, people talk about, well, I want faith for this healing. And that's weird to me, or faith for this breakthrough. And it's like, faith, biblically to me, is always in Christ, it's in the person of Jesus. The object of faith is always Christ. He's the author of faith, and he's the perfecter of faith, right? Hebrews 11 or 12. So there's two things I, biblically that I see faith is, comes by. It comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, I think. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of Christ. And two, Hebrews 12, I think it is, it says, and looking to the author of our faith. So beholding Jesus and hearing Jesus, faith comes. And you look at the people who had great faith, the Syrophoenician woman and the Roman centurion, two people acknowledged for their greatness of faith. Those, neither of those people had the law, the religious system that told them they couldn't receive something from God. Did y'all catch that? They, didn't, they, were, they were Gentiles that received a miracle from a God, from Jesus who said he was only sent to Israel. They received a miracle not in the will of God. You can, we'll talk about that later. But do you, do you understand that the Syrophoenician woman, you can go look this up. The Syrophoenician woman was not in the will of God. She wasn't. He's, he goes, I didn't come for you. He, she says, hey, will you come heal my daughter? And he doesn't answer her a word. He doesn't respond to her. He ignores her. Anyone felt like when you pray to Jesus, he ignores you? No, I'm the only one. <laughs> she says, hey, my daughter's suffering, and he does this. He's just walking. He eventually, eventually calls her a dog, but then he's walking, and he doesn't say anything. And she's like, okay, you know what? If I can't get the A team guy, I'm going to go to the B team guys. This is her thinking. Well, if these guys hang with him... She knew who Jesus was. She knew he had the power and the willingness to heal. This is what, so that woman's my hero. She was not in the will of God. 
She was not in God's plans and purposes, and she inserted herself into his plans and purposes. Because she saw who Jesus really is. And she, she, she laid hold of the man in, in his nature, and she bypassed all of the surrounding religiosity that told people that she couldn't get a miracle. So she goes to the B-team guys, the disciples, who are not the A-team. You guys ever been the, you see the main speaker, and you're like, oh, I'm going to get the main speaker to pray for me. And you got the altar team, you're like, hmm. And you just wait. You know, you sit back, and you're like, mm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to get to the, the, the main anointing. This woman didn't care. She's like coming to the person on the end, you know, who looks all fidgety and not confident. And she needs a big miracle, right? And so she goes to them, and she goes to all of them down the line. And the disciples get so, like, irritated. They're like, they pray to Jesus. They pray. And they say, hey, send her away. She's bothering us. She's crying out after she's making a scene. This isn't the right time. And Jesus gives them their prayer right in front of her. You ever been praying for something, and then your neighbor's like, hey, God, will you do this? And he's like, bang, and he does it. And you're like, are you serious? I've been praying for finances for like, you know, six months, and this person's like, I got a $1,000 check in the mail. So that's what happens. They pray, and so he goes, hey, woman, he's like, I, he goes, I didn't come for, for you. I came for the lost sheep of Israel. And she, he goes, it wouldn't be right to take the children's bread, which is for Israel, and feed it to dogs. Calls her a dog. And she goes, that's fine, that's cool. If you want to call me a dog, that's great. Here's, here's how we're going to do this. You can be my master. I'll be the dog. You keep your bread. Let me just have a crumb that falls from the table. And Jesus looks at this woman. He's like, you know me. Go your way. Your daughter's healed. That's faith. She laid hold of the man. Most of us, if it's by principle, the first time we prayed and he ignores, we say, ah, wasn't his will. Do you know how many times that woman could have said, it's not the will of God to heal my daughter? And created a theology about Jesus that absolutely wasn't true? Do you realize the persistence it took? Like, Like something in her heart laid hold of the man that said, I refuse to be denied. Because I know this man personally. I, I, I just believe it about him. That's faith. That's the kind of faith I want to stir in your heart. Yeah. If at the end of this, you guys can have the faith of the Syrophoenician woman, I've done my job. Where is that? It's in the Bible. <laughs> I know that. Someone, someone found it? Ruth? Mark 7. Because here's the thing, guys, we're going to preach righteousness, we're going to preach that we're sons of God, but I told the Lord, I read this a few weeks ago, and I repented to the Lord. And I said, Lord, here I've been at your table with access to your bread, and I, I have treated this as a common thing. And I said, Lord, I want to have the faith that sits at the table and eats your bread and the faith of the Syrophoenician woman that says, I don't care. You be my master. I'll be your dog and I'll eat, your, I'll eat the crumbs from the table. Yeah, I don't care. It's not about, we'll preach righteousness. We'll get you to the table where you understand you belong at the table. But, but make no mistake, you can get spoiled at the table. You can be in the crowds at the table in the covenant promises and miss the heart of God. You really can. You can be in covenant with him and still miss his heart. And people on the outside, they can get in. And this, the Bible is full of stories of that. 
So when we get you to the table, it's a place your heart's got to stay in this place of humility and gratitude for what he's done. That's why I was going to put this thing, this cross, okay, we've looked at it as a moment in time 2,000 years ago. Okay? This becomes, guys, this becomes my, my focal point to dive into the mystery. Does this make sense? I, I need to give you a practical. This is the practical for today. You can write this down. So all of this was to make known. I, the temptation is to bypass this and say, I get it. But the reality is that this little sliver, that moment in time that Jesus died on the cross, that he was buried, that he was raised from the dead, if all of that was to make known to us his love for us, to be one with us, to experience the riches of his glory. First Peter talks about the prophets prophesied of the sufferings of Christ in these subsequent glories. Have you all read that? Yeah. Have you ever read that and go, the sufferings of Christ... And then over here, he just kind of throws this little phrase, subsequent or resulting, how do you spell subsequent? Glories. What's the resulting glory of all of this? It's it's so big, it's so vast, and it's hidden underneath this. It's hidden. It takes time in the presence of God being still, sitting there going, you know what? I have my whole life bypassed this moment and thought, oh, I get it. People that say, I get it. Can I tell you, standing, teaching this class, having written a book, I, I don't get it. I don't. I, you'll hear me be the first to say, I feel like I'm a little infant beginning to crawl in my understanding of the love of God. I mean that with all of my heart. I'm not trying to make a point. I, I, really, I really don't feel like I, I get it. And the more I get it, the more I feel like I don't. Right? But what I do know is the fruit of my life is looking like Christ through this reality. There's fruit coming off of my life that looks like Christ because of this truth. And I want you guys, no matter what, if, you, if this is the only class you attend and you never come back and you're offended or whatever... Take the rest of your life. Use this as a diving board into the mystery of the heart of God. It's still a mystery. If you've lost your, your, that childlike wonder, it's because you've forgotten that his heart is, is so vast, it's so mysterious, and that he's actually got something new to show you. Like it's new. He's got newness every day. Are you with me? So does that make sense when this becomes like a focal point? You meditate on the cross, you think about it, and you go, wow, he did that to make known to me the mystery of his heart, to be one with me, that I would experience the riches of his glory. God, you said, and again, this is how you, this is how you could start. God, you said you wanted to reveal to me the mystery, the riches of the glory of knowing you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. God, I just, I slow down right now. I quiet my heart. I quiet my mind. And I ask, Holy Spirit, would you, would you bring to me and reveal to me what Christ has done? Would you make it plain to me? Would it connect to my heart? Would I live in this reality? And then you sit there and you begin to, you begin to think about it. I, I begin to unpack the blows that he took. 
I began to, I began to look at and what did it smell like? What did it feel like? What did his flesh feel like? The Holy Spirit will let you run your fingers through his back that was ripped open. He will make it come alive to you. It's, it's of his best interest to make that moment come alive to you. And it's not just a story in a book, but it's a real tangible act of love. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. We hope you are encouraged to live as a redeemed, powerful, spotless bride of Jesus Christ as you listened. For more information on our ministry, resources, and scheduled dates, go to BraveheartMinistries.org or find us on Facebook.